Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. News at 4, simulcasting on AM 570, 860, 910, and 930, blanketing West Central Florida. Follow and friend me on Twitter and Facebook at Bill Bunkley. WTBN Pinellas Park and WTWD Plant City. This hour from townhall.com, I'm Rich Thomason. A fugitive who is accused of stealing numerous weapons from a Wisconsin gun store and then sending an anti-government manifesto to the White House is under arrest after spending nine days on the run. Joseph J. Kowalski was apprehended today in Vernon County, Wisconsin. The local sheriff there, John Spears, surprised that it came to a peaceful end. I expected Mr. Jabakowski to get into a shootout with law enforcement. Based on his threats and uh, the videos we've seen, I really expected him not to give up. J. Kowalski allegedly spoke of plans to launch attacks with the firearms he allegedly stole. China doing anything to rein in North Korea? Chatham House North Korea expert John Nielsen Wright says Beijing has been trying to tighten the economic screws on Pyongyang. The question here is whether Kim Jong-un sees that as a credible threat, um, whether he believes that this would in fact be more than just a token gesture on the part of the Chinese. Um, because if he, if he sees it as essentially tokenism, he may not be deterred from going ahead and testing a nuclear device at some point in the near future. The daughter of a police officer who died on 9-11 at the World Trade Center has joined the NYPD. Among the 474 recruits sworn in by the New York City Police Department this week was 22-year-old Brittany Roy of Massapequa Park, Long Island. Her father, Timothy, was an NYPD sergeant working in traffic court when jetliners struck the World Trade Center on 9-11. He did hear of the tragedy after the first plane hit and immediately went towards the city to see what he can do. Brittany Roy, who was seven when her father was killed, says she grew up seeing heroes and that it has always been her dream to be one of them. Warren Levinson, New York. No trading today on Wall Street. The financial markets closed for Good Friday. More on these stories at townhall.com. Dennis Prager here. And for two years now, I've been telling you about my wife, Sue, who tried Relief Factor because of her knee pain, and it worked. And if you're struggling with ongoing back or neck pain, shoulder, hip, or knee pain, or general muscle aches and pain, do what my wife, Sue, did. Try Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com or call them toll-free, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. This is Pete's Yard. And Pete's happy that winter's finally over. Still, winter's damage is done and has left Pete's yard withered and weak. But Pete knows all he needs is Scott's Turf Builder Lawn Food. It greens and thickens lawns to help crowd out weeds. Guaranteed. Just two simple feedings. One now and one later this spring. So Pete can easily take his grass from hungry to healthy. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up Scott's Turf Builder Lawn Food today. Dozens of U.S. troops have arrived in Somalia. Their mission? To train and equip African Union and Somali forces battling al-Shabaab. Somalia has bad memories for the U.S. In 1993, in an incident known as Black Hawk Down, 
18 American soldiers were killed in the capital Mogadishu. Since then, the U.S. has restricted most of its activities to drone attacks. It's also trained a highly effective elite Somali force. The main focus now is the Somali army, which is fractured, undisciplined and poorly equipped. Several other countries, including the U.K. and Turkey, are also training troops. The BBC's Mary Harper. A Palestinian man stabbed a young British tourist to death in Jerusalem as she traveled on the light rail close to the old city, which was packed with Christians celebrating Good Friday and Jews marking Passover. News and analysis at townhall.com. Encouraging you in Christ. When you suffer in your workplace, when you suffer in a relationship, remember you're deeply loved by God. Your suffering doesn't mean God has forgotten about you or that he doesn't care about you. This is just part of the price for following Christ. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Hi, this is Philip de with Know the Truth. I feel so honored to be a brand new ministry partner with this station. We share a common goal, communicating God's word with clarity, courage, and conviction. Be listening to this radio station to hear biblical truths and daily encouragement for your walk with God on Know the Truth. Or check us out online at ktt.org. Listen to Know the Truth, weekday mornings at 9.30, here on Faith Talk 570 and 910. This hour of the Bill Bunkley Show is sponsored in part by EDI Travel, inviting you to join Bill June 16th through June 25th for a -a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan. This is an encore presentation of the Bill Bunkley Show. But I want to tell you that uh, for all of the uncertainty that I wanted to have an opportunity to uh, have one of our discussions that is very relevant to many of you this afternoon, and that is health care as you get into the golden era of your life. Fernando Suspedes is a good friend, and uh, boy, last year he saved people literally thousands of dollars, uh, been with me on my program And uh, that's because he is president of uh, Family Focus Insurance Solutions. And uh, he is a single dad, has three beautiful children. I love it when his kids get a chance to come in. Uh, He's been in Tampa for over 12 years. And uh, he is an expert, a specialist. And let me just say this. Fernando represents uh, 11 different providers for Medicare. And what's important for that is uh, you'll be exposed, Fernando, some as we go on, and that is, uh, the plan you may be on right now may be costing you more money than other planets out there. And though we talk a lot about Obamacare only having problems with their network or one insurer, we have Fernando that has 11 different options. That's what's called the marketplace. That's what's called having options. So, Fernando, it's good to have you with us this afternoon, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Enjoying this weather here. Really Good to be with you. I mean, I look forward to a chat every Tuesday. I appreciate it for your time. Thank you. Now, you could have gone a long way without mentioning the weather because, you know, I'm a baseball fan. And I'm here <laughs> at the true. state capitol with a lot of people with a lot of hot air. And so I, I, do, I, I did. I walked out of the capitol this afternoon coming over to do the show. And it's sure. a beautiful day up here. And all I thought about was spring training baseball and how I would have loved to have been a game seven. That's okay, Fernando. Uh, I'm, I'm in the torture, you know, so you just go ahead and do some of that pseudo-waterboarding thing. That's okay. But let, let's, let's get down to business here because sure. we've got an expanded audience this afternoon. And uh, what's interesting is is that your work in Medicare also um, transpires to Medicaid. Now, 
Medicaid is kind of a safety net. Medicaid versus Medicare, most of our folks that are listening who are uh, above the age of 62 and and unless they've got another medical option, they're on Medicare. What is Medicaid? And then we want to get into how some of our folks may take advantage of it. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to make that as simple as possible. The the last uh, four letters, K, there's a difference between care and K. Usually Medicare is for seniors, and Medicaid is usually for the uh, um, people who are poor, who who cannot afford certain items. So Medicaid is a federally program that is given to each state so they can administrate, manage it, and be able to run it by itself. So Medicaid it's a program that anybody can apply, however, is based on your, uh, your assets and your income. So any family can, can apply for Medicaid, and the Department of Children and Families can look at that application, and based on your income and your family and your income and your resources, they can say yeah or nay. They could approve it or not. All right, let's stop right there because that's a very interesting option. Now, let's, let's lay that to the side for a moment. What is Part B? I want to talk about what Part B is compared to Medicare, and then we're going to put this piece together. Absolutely. Part B in Medicare is the second portion of your Medicare, which has two parts, Part A. And then once you become eligible for Medicare, you get complete Medicare, which is the other part of your leg, your other hand. So in order for us to walk upright, we need two uh, uh, legs. Um, So Part B is the completion of your full Medicare where a Medicare Part B is going to cover for a lot of services that Part A cannot cover, such as your primary care physicians, your doctors, your specialists, your visits, emergency, ambulance, outpatient surgery, um, durable medical equipment. So all of those items that I mentioned, there's about 28 of them, your Part A does not cover, only hospital. Part A is for hospitals, and your Part B for your Medicare completes the whole plan and gives you an array of benefits that Part A cannot provide you. Now, here's something that you told me. By the way, if you're by your home or office PC and you'd like to find out more, uh, because Fernando Suspedes, independent agent, 11 different opportunities, and by the way, all of his services are absolutely free. Those of you who know about your Medicare, you know that when you uh, are working with that each and every year, the uh, professionals you deal with, they're actually paid on the back end by the insurance company. So, All of the opportunity for you to get some of this counsel this afternoon would be absolutely free if you want to see how this applies to you. Now, uh, what I want to mention is is that this Part B, which is in addition to the the Medicare, you you had enlightened me some time back. Part B can actually, some folks that are listening, and you may have a little more modest income. You may have a little more modest in terms of assets. Oh, sure. But sure. you're telling me the state of Florida, Florida right now, could step up possibly and pay that Part B premium for that extra coverage? That is correct. In fact, last week we talked about um, that there was a small increase in, in current, in, excuse me, in Medicare recipients. But those who are brand new to Medicare, wow, that was a 10% increase. So that is correct. Medicaid. And by the way, that service, and thank you for mentioning, it's a free service that we've been doing for 11 years where we sit with you, we establish a relationship, we look at your income, your assets, your bills, and we can prepare the application. And if the state of Florida, the Department of Children and Families, DCF, takes a look at the application, we completely properly 
uh, fill it out. If they approve the application, the very first benefit is, guess what? The state of Florida is going to pay the Part B premium every single month, Bill. A lot of individuals do not know that. That 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 should bring peace of mind because obviously a lot of seniors folks have fixed income, and we need to be wise with our income. So we have a service that we can provide you. We can help you apply for Medicaid, and again, if you get approved, the state will pick up the tab every single month, Bill. But that's anywhere from one hundred and four plus dollars per month. So you could get a raise over $1,200 per year by just calling us and we'll be able to help you fill out the application. We cannot say that we can approve the application, but we'll do. We'll get all the formalities out of the way, introduce that application, and we can help you properly apply for that state Medicaid. Now, you just mentioned call you in case somebody was listening right sure, now. What sure. is your phone number if somebody wanted to follow up with you? Bill, thank you. It's area code 813-533-3000. I repeat, area code 813 813- Five three 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 thousand. All right, Fernando Suspedes. Now let's go to the next thing. People sure. probably who are on who are on Medicare know that uh, they get back from vacation or we get into the fall, and it's time. You you know it when you open up the Bradenton Herald, Tampa Bay Times, Lakeland Ledger. Sure. You see the full page ads from right. those big companies, and, and I just big companies are big, but I want to tell you. You call a big company, you're just going to get kind of hooked into whatever they got in that one program. People like Fernando have 11 different options. We'll talk about that another time. But what is an SEP? Because some people don't realize that there are opportunities for them to change their Medicare coverage benefits and costs, and they don't always have to wait till November. Talk about that. Great, great question. Bill, I, I, often I get asked that question, what is those three letters? That stands for special election period. As we know, Medicare, once a year, once a year, as an annual open enrollment, and Medicare recipients already know that. It's been already been brainwashed, so to speak, or already been, been in, in, in this season. We know that it's from October 15 into December 7. So every year we have that open enrollment. However, come December 8th, the doors are about to close. Medicare says, we're going to close the doors. And guess what? Medicare recipients, you're going to have to wait until next fall. However, Medicare understands that there's just some circumstances that can arise. Um, your plan can can go under. Um, you may lose group benefit. You're new to Medicare. There's about 18 to 20 different SEPs, a special election period, where when Medicare closes the door, they keep the door slightly open the entire year because people have different circumstances. Number one, as I mentioned, those individuals who are listening to my voice, when they call us, if we can help you apply for Medicaid and then the Department of Children and Families approves your application, guess what? That will open up an SCP and you can switch all year around. So number one, SCPs allow you to change plans because, Bill, you and I know that we are consumers. We sometimes represent agents or representatives don't give all this information. So people who enroll the last couple of months are facing in March that, oh, my goodness, the plan that they were sold to me. Uh, the, the broken promises. I cannot. The medication I thought that I can that I was going to be given is not being provided. The doctor that I thought was in the network. Guess what? We can help you find all the solutions. And number one, people who are in Medicaid, Medicare, they can switch all year round. So SCPs allow you. You brand new to Medicare. Guess what? You can you have a different time set. You just came to the state for the first time. You move. Um, uh, you, there is a plan that has five stars right now. The only one in the state of Florida that will, that Medicare water them that they can have an all year round special election period bill. 
In the area of the SNP, talk about these zero copays for possibly sure. for uh, seeing your doctor and getting those mm-hmm. prescription drugs down. Absolutely. Annual, every year, companies file benefits where the plan that you want in 2016, if you don't look at it, 2017 copies can go, can go up really high. Instead of you paying $5 specialist, now you're going to pay $30. So when we give you that annual checker, since we have 11 different companies, we can potentially offer you a different solution. I have a company that uh, a lot of companies were not there. Their copies went up so high that people were paying 25 30 I have a company for 31 years that can give you $5 specialist five dollars when you get hospitalized most companies charge you a daily rate of about anywhere from 100 to 300 this company will charge you a zero copay i have companies that that you prescription and certain medications for diabetic insulin flex sometimes they'll be charged a lot of money i have that five-star company has a chronic diabetic plan well that give you a different blanket and array of different coverage for diabetics the result is going to be lowering your prescription yoke So we have so many companies that can help you. Tell us a little bit about why it's so important for folks to plug into this free checkup. And, by the way, I'm going to have his phone number and website in just a moment. Absolutely. As I said earlier, we are consumers, and so often we're not given all the information. Or maybe when we, a lot of information is given at the top point of sale, we cannot remember everything what happened. So sometimes policies say go by, a year goes by, two years, and there's a lot of information that gets sent to your home. But sometimes we don't have time. We're overwhelmed by, by the media, by, by the mail. So often we just write and write the same way, and sometimes we don't look at what is, let me let me pick up the hood. Let me make sure my plugs are working. My I have the right liquids. It's called a tune-up, an annual checkup. And so when we enter somebody's home or somebody comes to our office, we open the hood and we're going to look at okay. Here's your current copies. Here, do you know that if any doctor, any surgery is coming up? Uh, if you're taking these medicines, what's going to happen if 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 uh, you change this surgery? This long story short, we look at from A through C what type of current medications, what type of surgeries. Now we looked at at three, four vital vitals. When it, when you're going to buy a car, you're going to look at the transmission, the the engine, the the brakes. So when we look, we look at a, a needs analysis at a, at a free checkup. We're going to look at how much are you currently paying for hospitalization, how much are you paying for emergency, for ambulance, your doctor's visits, your specialist, and and the most important question, how much are you paying for your prescriptions? Those five categories are very vital when we do an annual checkup because we have to connect with that person. If we cannot make a difference, if you have a great plan, we'll always advise you stay with what you have. However, if we can bring something better to the table, save you some money, peace of mind, and the event, and I'll finish with this, in the event that you have to use the plan, when you're going to use the plan, it's going to bless you. It's not going to take away money. It's not going to take stress. It's not going to take your money. In the event that you have to break the glass, emergency, emergency, I have to use this plan, the plan is going to work for you. So that's why a needs analysis, an annual checkup will give you that peace of mind just to see if you have the correct plan, you have the part, you have the right car that you're driving, in other words. If you'd like to get that absolutely free checkup, No charge for that. No charge when Fernando puts you on a plan to save you some money. Call right now, 813-533-3000. That's 813-533-3000. Go to his website right now, ffis.co. Now, that's not .com. Didn't make a mistake. ffis.co, ffis.co. Again, that number is 813-533-3000, ffis.co. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bill Bunkley Show. 
The Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer Council and Pray Tampa Bay invite you to the 25th Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer brunch at the A la Carte Shrine Pavilion in Tampa on Thursday, May 4th. This year's keynote speaker is atheist-turned-Christian and best-selling author Lee Strobel. Make plans to come to this local National Day of Prayer event as we focus on mobilizing the Christian community to intercede for America and its leadership through prayer. Visit TampaPrayerBrunch.com for more information and to reserve your seat today. My name is Leslie, and my daughter, Lucy, goes to Christian school. For years, Faith Talk 570 and 910 has been helping Bay Area parents provide their children with an affordable private Christian school education. You know, I went to Christian school growing up, and I had wanted Lucy to go there. As I've been going back to work and trying to ramp up, having the 50% off thanks to Faith Talk has been huge for us. That's right. At ChristianTuitions.com, you'll find a wide selection of private Christian schools in our area with half off the first year's tuition. It has been such a gift for her. She loves the people there, absolutely loves the teachers. They pray before each class. It's just been a blessing. Half off at ChristianTuitions.com may sound too good to be true, but it is true. They talk is wonderful. If you all are considering a private Christian education and trying to really make it work, they can make it happen. Learn more and get half off your first year at ChristianTuitions.com. That's ChristianTuitions.com. Saturday afternoons at 4. Be sure to join Dr. Evan Burroughs and the congregation of First Baptist Church of College Hill for Gaining Ground. If you really knew him, you wouldn't let him do such and such. We start spreading the little lies and uh, we start setting little fires all over the church. Why? Because we're jealous and envious of somebody else's success. Don't miss Gaining Ground with Dr. Evan Burroughs, Saturday afternoons at 4 on Faith Talk 570 and 910 and online at letstalkfaith.com. This is an encore presentation of the Bill Bunkley Show. A weekly uh, opportunity that I'd love to take advantage of is to have a book review. And uh, today's subject is very close to my heart. As I am very extremely pro-Israel, I've had a chance to uh, visit the country uh, four or five times. I'm kind of losing a little bit of a count, but I know many people have uh, been there a lot more times than I have. But today we're talking about a very important book because I absolutely stand with Israel. And somebody who's also been very, very involved with standing with Israel is my next guest and author, David Brog. Today's book is Reclaiming Israel's History. Roots, Rights, and the Struggle for Peace. David Brog is a graduate of Princeton University and Harvard Law School. He's the executive director of Maccabee Task Force and was the founding executive director of Christians United for Israel. He served as chief of staff to Senator Arlen Specter and staff director of the Senate Judiciary Committee. He also worked as an executive at America Online and practiced corporate law both in Israel and the United States. David Brog is author of In Defense of Faith, The Judeo-Christian Idea, and The Struggle for Humanity and Standing with Israel, Why Christians Support the Jewish State. David, good to have you with us this afternoon. Hello, Bill. Thank you for having me. All right. You know, when you talk about Israel's history, unfortunately, it depends on who you're talking with, because there's uh, there's the truth, there's the real version, and then there's other versions that have been made up by special interest groups and by some in the Arab world. How important is it for us to drill down 
and to deal with the real facts about the absolutely true history of Israel? Well, it's extremely important because, like you point out, there are people who are dedicated to spreading a false narrative about Israel and basically lying about Israel. Well, you know, not everyone's concerned with the truth. Um, I, I think Israel has some enemies uh, um, in radical Islam. It doesn't matter what you will tell them about Israel's virtues. They will hate Israel and seek her destruction. Uh, but here in the West, uh, we care about things like whether a country uh, stands for the uh, the value of human life, whether a country protects innocent civilians, whether a country gives all of its citizens, Jews, Muslims, and Christians alike, full, equal civil rights. We care about these things. So when people are out lying about them, it creates the potential that it can turn a generation of Americans against Israel. Uh, so we've got to go tell the truth, because the truth, when you know it, is pretty darn impressive. Now, coming up in just uh, a few weeks in June, I'm actually going to be having a group of pilgrims from our area uh, in Jordan, we're going to be standing on Mount Nebo, and we're going to get the same view that um, Moses had uh, as he was not allowed to enter into the Promised Land. But we're going to see where those 12 tribes uh, were uh, able to come in and to get their area. And we'll also do them to go along heights. Talk a little bit about the real history. Uh, how long has there been this Jewish presence in the land of Israel? And uh, despite uh, a lot of different... Uh, Overseers, if you will, this land was uh, outlined for Israel a long time ago. Talk about that. Well, I think there's a common misperception, even among Israel's friends and allies, that um, you know the Romans got tired of these Jewish rebellions, and in 70 A.D. they destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem itself, and uh, scattered the Jews to the four corners of the earth, never again to return until 1948 with the birth of the modern state of Israel. Um, that's actually, uh, I guess it's a romantic story. A uh, people and its land is separated for 2,000 years, finally reunited. Uh, it's just not a true story. Yeah, the Romans did destroy the temple in 70 AD. Yeah, they did destroy Jerusalem. Yeah, they did kill and exile lots of Jews. But millions of Jews remained. They remained a majority in the land until well into the 5th century. The 10th century, 300 years after the Muslim conquest, Muslim historians noted that the majority of the people in the land were Christians and Jews. Uh, and every opportunity over the centuries when a ruler would allow Jews to come back to their land, they came back in large numbers. So what we see is Jews have always been there, and they've always returned there whenever they've been given a chance. The modern Zionist movement at the end of the 1800s is really just the latest in a series of returns of the Jewish people uh, to their land. Hmm. Where did the word Palestine originate from? Because um, the Palestinians would like to uh, suggest that uh, it's 3,000 years old as well. Um, and I'm not so sure that uh, they were the ones that actually came up with uh, the word Palestine. Talk about that. Well, the, the Romans, we were just talking about the Romans, uh, they got tired of these Jewish rebellions. And not only did they exile a lot of Jews and kill a lot of Jews and destroy Jerusalem, they said, we're going to try to sever the connection between the Jewish people and the land of Israel by changing the name of the land of Israel. At, at the time, Israel was called Judea. It was a province of the Roman Empire called Judea. Well, <laughs> when the place is called Judea, you kind of get a sense who lives there. You might as well call it Jewland. Uh, they changed the name from Judea to, to the name. They, named, they took a name for the land from the Jews' traditional enemies, the Philistines. They called it Philistina, later Palestina, later Palestine. And the Palestinian Arabs, that's a, a pretty new people and a pretty new identity. 
um, that is um, uh, really a people that's come into existence after the 1967 war, when other forms of identity that were popular at the time faded away. And a lot of the Arabs living in what had been the British mandate for Palestine took on the name Palestinians. But we have to remember, it wasn't until 1974 that the Arab League recognized uh, such a thing as a Palestinian people. It wasn't until 1974 that the United Nations recognized such a thing as a Palestinian people. So it's a relatively new phenomenon. Um, so when people project it back into the past, when they say the Jews came and took you know, conquered Palestine or, or built their homeland in Palestine, they're really projecting back into a past, a relatively new recent phenomenon. When you talk about, uh, David Brock, 1967, and uh, I think one of the misconceptions is oftentimes when we hear uh, the leader of the Palestinian Authority talking about uh, uh, the, the settlements in the West Bank and this has been Palestinian land, we've been Palestinians, I mean, this is a this is like an infant history compared to the history of uh, the Jewish people in the land, but yet it seems like the the lies that are perpetrated in the mainstream media, they just continue to perpetuate this this, this sort of world of view. But uh, it's not accurate, is it? Well, you, you make a very good point. I mean, the Jewish people are a three thousand year old people um, that's had its identity and its national identity for for a very long time. The Palestinian people, like we mentioned, are, are, are very new people uh, that are asserting a national identity and a right to self-determination that they argue flows from it. Um, okay, that's fine. Uh, what's interesting is that the reaction of this ancient people to the claims of this new people has not been ridicule or laughter. It's actually been, okay, fair enough. You, you guys say you're a people now? then we want to compromise with you. We want to split the land with you. It's really been a gracious and overwhelmingly generous response. The problem is, is that although the Jews of Palestine, later the Israelis, offered the Arabs of Palestine, later the Palestinians, uh, a land of their own, a country of their own, a state of their own, on five separate occasions in recent history, 1937, 1947, 1967, 2000, and 2008, Despite these five offers from Israel, the Palestinians have turned on every single one. And so you, you realize that although the reaction of the Jewish people has been one of generosity and compromise, the conflict persists because tragically the Palestinian leadership has rejected each of these offers. They seem more interested in destroying the one and only Jewish state than in having their own state living side by side with it in peace. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bill Bunkley Show. SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. The largest non-nuclear bomb ever dropped in combat by the U.S. military killed 36 ISIS fighters in eastern Afghanistan, according to officials there. Villagers in the remote mountainous area described being terrified by an ear-splitting blast. A judge has sentenced former NFL star Aaron Hernandez to an additional four to five years in prison over his conviction on charge of unlawful possession of a gun already serving life for the death of a man who was dating his fiancée's sister. He was acquitted today in a Boston double killing that prosecutors say was fueled by his anger over a spilled drink. Pope Francis presiding over a Good Friday procession at the Colosseum in Rome. And uh, no trading on Wall Street today. The uh, financial markets closed for Good Friday. More details at srnnews.com. 
I'm Bill Carl. You know, in addition to great national teachers and preachers, we have a number of local ministries that have a prominent place here in the Faith Talk 570 and 910 family. If you're a pastor in the Tampa Bay area and you feel like God is calling you to a larger platform, we'd like to talk to you about effective ways to pursue that calling. Contact our general manager, Barb Yoder, 813-349-8232, 813-349-8232. And let's impact Tampa Bay for Christ together. My name is Leslie, and my daughter, Lucy, goes to Christian school. For years, Faith Talk 570 and 910 has been helping Bay Area parents provide their children with an affordable private Christian school education. You know, I went to Christian school growing up, and I had wanted Lucy to go there as I've been going back to work and trying to raise up. Having the 50% off thanks to Faith Talk has been huge for us. That's right. At ChristianTuitions.com, you'll find a wide selection of private Christian schools in our area with half off the first year's tuition. It has been such a gift for her. She loves the people there, absolutely loves the teachers. They pray before each class. It's just been a blessing. Half off at ChristianTuitions.com may sound too good to be true, but it is true. Faith Talk is wonderful, and you all are considering a private Christian education and trying to really make it work. They can make it happen. Learn more and get half off your first year at ChristianTuitions.com. That's ChristianTuitions.com. Abundant crops are messy. This is Roger Patterson with a minute of vision for life. St. Jose Maria Escriba said, Jesus did not say you would not be troubled, you would not be tempted, you would not be distressed, but he did say you would not be overcome. You know, one of the challenges I've faced in a season of abundance is that I'm busier than ever. Seeing a vast harvest at times can be messy. Proverbs 14.4 says, Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. You know, this word tells me that it gets messy when you're successful. It tells me it can flat out sting sometimes. But I've got to be willing to deal with the ox if I want the harvest. Truth is, the mess is what helps produce the harvest. Hope in your life you're willing to work through the mess, through the overwhelming circumstances, to see the blessing and abundance on the other side. You've been listening to Dr. Roger Patterson with A Minute of Vision, a ministry of Vision for Life Radio at visionforlife.org. Saturdays at 1.30, be encouraged by Pastor Jomo Cousins and the congregation at Love First Christian Center. I have to fight. And though my flesh wants to lash out, I say be still. As Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. I put it under subjection. Love First Christian Center with Pastor Jomo Cousins. Saturdays at 1.30 on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. This is an encore presentation of the Bill Bunkley Show. Well, who is this justice? And, uh, well, for previous justices, Republicans uh, tend to have a track record of being surprised at some of the decisions that are coming forth. And uh, with this particular judge, as we're talking about one who is uh, believed to be an originalist in the form of uh, his uh, predecessor, Justin Antonin Scalia, with his untimely passing, Travis S. Weber is uh, my guest this afternoon, and Travis is director of the Center for Religious Liberty at the Family Research Council, where he focuses on a variety of legal and policy issues pertaining to religious freedom. In his current role, Travis advises FRC on international and domestic religious freedom issues, also advocates for religious freedom on behalf of FRC in a variety of ways. Travis has testified on religious freedom in the armed forces before the Military Personnel Subcommittee 
of the House Armed Services Committee. He has also drafted a policy brief and assists with FRC's amicus efforts in the courts and also publishes uh, very uh, scholarly works on the issues of the day. Travis Weber, good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me on. I guess my opening question would be to you. Uh, is the general consensus as FRC, are you as comfortable, to, are, are you more comfortable today with all of what you know about Justice Gorsuch today than when he was first put on that list of 21? Uh, or as uh, he was before the confirmation committee, have you gotten less confident? How Has this been a moving target, or, or has this been pretty consistent as far as y- you and your organization's assessment of this justice? Yeah, it's been a pretty consistent target, and uh, we're as confident or more confident today than when he was first nominated. You know, as I've looked back through his record, um, he clearly has a good record on religious freedom, on statutory and constitutional issues, um, and other areas. He, he looks to be ha- to have ruled solidly as an originalist and textualist, adhering closely to the words of the statute and legal doctrine, um, whether on the life issue or other issues that we care about, and so. Uh, from my perspective and from our perspective here, um, you know, we believe we're getting someone who's really going to um, faithfully rule as an originalist and uh, he has a humble view of his role as a judge, is not looking to get in there and kind of puff up his role, as unfortunately uh, a lot of the judiciary has. Hmm. Travis Weber, give me your reaction to the phrase, uh, well, that, that particular opinion, that is just settled law. Now, I, I, I tend to be a little unsettled when I hear settled law because uh, the Supreme Court has made bad decisions in the past. It's been reversed. It's, it, we're now living with decisions that both sides of the aisle say was judicial activism, and they got to their conclusion, but certainly not in a scholarly way. Uh, how do you feel about uh, when you hear the word settled law? Yeah, I mean, in the context of the confirmation hearing, when you know, he, he re- when Justice Gorsuch replied to a number of questions with the answer that it settled law. Um, uh, you know, with regard to questions from uh, cons- uh, Republican and Democrat uh, senators, um, you know, I think in that context we have to remember he was taking the approach of being very strict and uh, close to the vest in terms of how he was answering questions, not giving a hint of anything that could come back on him where he could be accused of, hey, you already exposed your views on that uh, from either side. So given that's the approach he was taking, uh, I'm less concerned about his answer there. And obviously in the broader context, um, you know, to say as an originalist that Roe versus Wade is is a done deal and we wouldn't say it was poor reasoning, well, you know, that's a different question, right? But as far as the, the issue of the confirmation hearings, um, you know, I look at that and I, and I think that, you know, he was just taking the approach on all the questions of, this is, um, I'm not going to expose my, my um, uh, views on this at all in a way that I could be accused of already having given a hint of how I'd rule in those cases. I thought I saw Travis, and again, only because I'm just very interested, uh, I thought I read, and of course, uh, I'm going to get into the fake news stuff, but I mean, I, I thought I read that two particular questions, and, and what happened was we were distracted, I was distracted, and what, the second or third day of the hearing questionings because we had the bombing at the parliament uh, over in the U.K., but I read, so I didn't, I didn't hear this myself, nor did I heard the clips, but I thought he was asked specifically about Roe versus Wade, and I think the other one was what, Ogerfeld, 
which is uh, the ruling on same-sex marriage. And, and did he not, I mean, if he did not give a definite affirmative that that was, um, um, uh, you know, settled law, how, and again, I just heard what you said, but, but how do you put that together? Because that seems pretty straightforward to me. Well, what he's trying to do is prevent, um, eliminate the possibility that um, if that issue arises before the court again, um, and if he says, indicates at all how he would rule here, um, he'll receive, he'll get the accusation or the charge of, of you've publicly biased yourself and already have indicated how you're going to rule. So there's a realistic possibility at some point we will see uh, some variation of, of a question on the constitutional right to abortion or some variation on a question of um, whether it's same-sex marriage again or a related question, um, it, it's likely to come before the court, and he knows that. And so he doesn't want, uh, whether on those cases or a number of other ones in which he used that response, to be accused of that. So, yes, um, settled law, you have to remember, too, in this context, refers to the idea of precedent. Um, there is something that's attached to precedent. I mean, there's a doctrine of precedent. The Supreme Court justices know this. It's embedded within the judiciary. And it has a proper rule. So precedent alone is not a, a, you know, a naughty word. The, the problem is, you know, how, how do we fit that in the larger framework as originalists and how the Constitution should be interpreted as opposed to making up rights and reading rights into it? So he, I'm sure, has philosophical views and a judicial philosophy on all those questions. And I think I can look at his record and say, I really trust his record, and I'm not as concerned in light of the record about his response to those questions at the confirmation hearing. If you're joining us, you listen to the voice of Travis S. Weber. He's director of the Center for Religious uh, Liberty Issues at the Family Research Council. By the way, if you're by your home or office PC, go right now to FRC.org. That's FRC.org. That's the website for uh, the Family Research Center. I recommend that uh, you would uh, bookmark that so that particular website because that is one of my uh, very uh, trusted resources. So as we now let's look at the Judge Gorsuch. Uh, the other thing, and let me just stipulate why I'm asking this question, um, Travis. Where you go to church, or what your hobbies are, or what your family situation is, if we were looking at a biography of Travis Weber's life, that would tell us a lot. And if you looked at the same thing in my life, that would tell us a lot. Now, some social conservatives, and again. Let me just say Judge Gorsuch has the right to to choose how he wants to live his life, where he wants to go to church. But uh, address a little bit about this particular Episcopal church in Colorado that he and his wife uh, uh, attend. Uh, it is uh, a pretty uh, liberal church in terms of, I think, that uh, they have uh, uh, embraced uh, homosexual marriage and those type of issues. And again, a person can choose to do that. Uh, but when you look at some of the things that are going to come before the court, has has that particular aspect, and for your expertise, looking in his, into his opinions, uh, did that ever weigh on any of the thought process with FRC, just from the fact that how we know who someone is is by way of those most important things in our life, did that ever come into the calculus there? Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't call it entirely irrelevant, but in light of, the uh, the assessment of how of what of, of how good of a justice he'll make of how he'll perform as a justice it is relatively a smaller fraction of that um, because the most important thing is again how he has ruled in judicial cases over years 
in a record of written opinions that he's authored, uh, opinions that he's concurred in or dissented, and how he's voted in various opinions as a Court of Appeals judge. And on those, uh, he has a very clear, solid record as an originalist. And what I mean by that is, again, across the board on issues. I mean, whether they're pertaining to our issues specifically, religious liberty, life and issues of sexuality, or other issues, criminal, uh, uh, constitutional criminal rights issues, um, st- other, other um, constitutional rights issues, statutory questions. How does he approach the decision-making in those cases? Across the board on all those issues, he's been an originalist and a textualist, meaning he adheres to the law, does not invent the law, does not make up the law, but rather just decides the law in those cases. So in light of all that, even though it doesn't deal with certain issues of uh, same-sex marriage or other precise issues that we focus on a lot, we can trust his record, his, the likelihood that he'll rule as an originalist on the Supreme Court. In light of all that, I'm less concerned, relatively speaking, about other factors and background biographical items that, uh, that might indicate something about what he believes. Give me an idea on a practical side. I'm sure he's thought about uh, already who he's going to be uh, hiring for his assistance, but uh, he's uh, he's uh, been sworn in. He's going to have to jump into some cases pretty quickly. Uh, what type of a task does he have just to get his office set up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a pretty uh, rapid learning curve. He'll be um, in- integrating into the work of the court this week, and then um, and then even uh, next week, looking at um, oral arguments in some cases, including one in which we're we're monitoring. Uh, so. Um, it's a pretty rapid, rapid uh, uh, ramp up here. In terms of all arguments and activity on the high court, uh, how you anticipate Judge Gorsuch will be he one that usually asks a lot of questions? Is he kind of one that holds back, or what is your assessment? Yeah, the process is going to ramp up pretty quickly here, and um, you know we'll have to see how he fits in uh, in some ways to his new role as, a, as the newest justice. But um, he'll be uh, uh, on the court for. Um, the oral arguments on the 19th in a case, Trinity Lutheran Church versus Pauli, in which we filed the amicus brief, and this really concerns the place of religious institutions and churches in the public square and their ability to occupy that role and, and receive the same treatment from government as non-religious institutions. So it's an important case um, in a number of areas, even though it hasn't received as much press. What other cases are coming up that you believe that are going to be uh, the ones that uh, are, are going to really give him the most challenge? And in terms of uh, uh, the, he seems to be a scholarly individual who likes to really do his homework. Doesn't have a lot of time for all the homework, does he? Well, right, and he'll have um, uh, you know he'll have clerks obviously helping him. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes um, at the court, and a lot of work that goes in. Uh, in a number of areas, but uh, in addition to Eternity Lutheran, we'll have there are other cases the court has not agreed to hear yet, but are affected by the court's view on this issue, including um, certain Blaine amendments and state constitutions, which could be used to discriminate against religious institutions in the use of state resources um, and uh, and and schooling, and so those are a set of issues that could it be affected by Justice Gorsuch. Uh, other cases, the court has not agreed to take up, but important religious liberty cases, Sterling versus United States, over whether the Religious Freedom Restoration Act protects a service member's right to display a Bible verse at a workstation, and 
uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado, Colorado Civil Rights Commission on whether a small business owner has constitutional rights that protect him or her in the face of state uh, sexual orientation non-discrimination laws. And this is in the context of the wedding vendor cases and that we've seen popping up around the country. So all these are important. And this is to say nothing of the cases which obviously could arise in the next year or two. Mm. And uh, I was also looking at one where we have the district court in Chicago who uh, basically, on a seven-member ruling, just uh, ruled that uh, LGBT rights are part of sex in terms of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, whereas the Atlanta uh, District uh, uh, Appellate Court uh, said that it doesn't. So, again, that's an example where you have two courts that have come to two different decisions. That could be a very interesting one coming to the court as well. Who gets to decide uh, to interpret the 64 right? Should it be the Congress to revisit it, or should it be the court's? That could be interesting, too. Travis S. Weber is with my guest today. You can catch up with him at FRC.org. FRC.org is Director for the Center of Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. Travis, thank you for your expert analysis, and we look forward to another chat in the near future as we see some progress on how Mr. Gorsuch rules. And again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bill Bunkley Show. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800 518 4020. That's 800 518 4020. This is Albert Mower for townhall.com. This Sunday is Easter, a great celebration day for Christians. The church bears a mandate to proclaim the truth that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrected Lord gave the church a sacred commission to take the gospel, the message of Christ's victory over sin and death, throughout the world. So, as the church gathers to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christians look back in thankfulness to that empty tomb and forward to the fulfillment of Christ's purposes in us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the promise of our resurrection from the dead and of Christ's total victory over sin and death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the very center of the Christian gospel. The empty tomb is full of power. Happy Easter to all. May the joy of the resurrection be yours. I'm Albert Mullen. For daily commentary, news, interviews, and the Town Hall Review weekend program, go to townhallreview.com. That's townhallreview.com. Joe, technician from SafeLight Auto Glass. My last customer was a busy mom with lots to do until she noticed a big crack in her windshield. She didn't want to drive with her baby in that car, so she scheduled online at safelight.com. No one makes replacing a windshield easier. Plus, she loved how SafeLight emails a photo of the technician so she knew who was coming to her house and how soon. Call 1-800-800-2727 or go to SafeLight.com. SafeLight Repair, SafeLight Replace. 
You're an author writing a Christian book, so you may know this cheery little fact. Old-fashioned publishers reject thousands of manuscripts each year. You know your book is fabulous, but hey, if it's not what a publisher needs, eh, all you need is your book in print. You want it on Amazon. You want to spread the word the way you've written it. So do it. Forget old-fashioned publishing. Publish yourself with 21st century Christian publishing at Zulon Press. Fast and affordable, Zulon Press gives you the power to put your Christian book on the market the way you want it. Zulon Press knows your mission because they have the same mission. Publish your book. See it on Amazon. Be a published author with Zulon Press. Learn more with your free guide to Christian publishing. Visit Christian publishing.com get your book hot off the press zulon press find your free publishing guide at christianpublishing.com zulon press is a division of salem communications the same great people who bring you this nifty radio station planning in advance necessary conversations with glenn jones i have a special guest reverend dr john a evans brother jones i can honestly testify that your product is certainly relevant needed it's a holistic ministry approach but then you and your company and your wife have such a giving spirit listen to planning in advance necessary conversations saturday mornings right after ask an attorney on faith talk 570 and 910 wtbn This is an encore presentation of the Bill Bunkley Show. Right now, we are delighted because uh, our special guest uh, of the day, of course, I'm talking about Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Good to have him back with us. And the Colonel is the, currently the Executive Director and Chairman of the Board for the National Center for Policy Analysis. During his uh, distinguished 22-year career in the United States Army, Lieutenant Colonel West served in Operation Desert Storm, Operation Iraqi Freedom, and later in Afghanistan. He received a Bronze Star, three Meritorious Service Medals, and three Army Commendation Medals. After his retirement from the Army in 2004, he taught high school for a year. In November of 2010, he was elected to the United States Congress representing Florida's 22nd District and sat on the Small Business and Armed Services Committees. He is a Fox News contributor, senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research, and writes for numerous media outlets. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, good to have you back with us this afternoon. Bill, it's good to be with you. I don't know who your special guest is, but it sounds like a pretty cheeky fellow. Hey, man, he's a guy that I I just think is just top shelf, and that would be you. We're we're coming up uh, not quite 100 days, but I know you have been watching very intently. You've been commenting on Fox News. So how would you, uh, how would you rate the president's first 100 days here? Uh, so far at this point, I'd have to give him a C minus. Uh, I think that, you know, it was a it was an incredible pivotal point for his first 100 days when he gave the speech, uh, the address before the joint session of Congress. I mean, without a doubt, he just blew everyone's socks away. Uh, he he clearly defined what his policy vision and agenda was, and sadly, four days later, he completely changed the narrative with this insidious tweet about wiretapping. And I can understand why you would do that. You get other people, surrogates or whatever. You have to stay focused on the reason why you were elected and not continue to try to pick these, uh, you know, punch down, as, as a lot of people say. So when I think about right now the fact that the president of Iran is visiting Russia, uh, that's what we should be talking about, not, you know, Russia influencing our elections or some of these other uh, distractions that we see ourselves discussing. Talk a little bit about what 
uh, President Trump. we got about a minute or so before we take a break. Yeah. He'll be with us after the break. Talk a little bit about uh, uh, Trump in terms of his plan to rebuild up the military. Uh, is it adequate, inadequate? What do you think about the initial numbers? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say we're going to throw $54 billion at the problem. I mean, that's what government always does, say they're going to throw money at it. But let's talk about what it's going to do. Let's talk about how you're going to streamline the Department of Defense. Let's talk about, you know, how you're going to get rid of the, the fraud, waste, and abuse, like the growth of the civilian bureaucracy, how we're going to fix the broken acquisition system, which is where we uh, lose a lot of money. The thing that really most disconcerting for me when I look at the Department of Defense is that it, it, it needs about, I think, 53 to 55, you know, Senate-confirmed positions. There's only been one, and that's the Secretary of Defense himself. So if that is a priority, uh, I think that you would have all of the names uh, that have been submitted to the to the Senate, and you start putting the pressure on them to uh, get these things done. The Senate's about to go on a recess for two weeks, uh, and the, the President Trump should not allow that to happen. He should have all of those names. He, he should force them to stay there. Tell Senate Majority to stay there until we get these positions filled and these individuals confirmed. Attorney Colonel West, um, talk a little bit about uh, what we're seeing now with uh, what's happening on the ground in Iraq. We know that President Obama had pulled out so many of our resources, caused ISIS to be able to bloom. The Iranians have come down and tried mm-hmm. to fill that void. Now we're putting our forces back in. Mosul, we're just seeing absolutely horrendous civilian casualties. What's your assessment of that region? Because you know it very well. Well, you know, Bill, it, it really is, you know, kind of sickening. It's kind of a gut punch to the, in the stomach to those of us that, you know, served there and fought so so hard to, you know, achieve victory in Iraq. Uh, I remember being there in 2003 and, and being in Mosul. Uh, you know, Mosul was the place where the men and women of the 101st Airborne Division uh, killed Uday and Kusay, uh, you know, Hussein, Saddam's uh, two very, you know, psychopathic sons there. And, you know, Mosul was a, a place where, you know, ancient Christian history was part of Mosul. But because of what I think is the greatest strategic blunder in U.S. military national security strategy history. Colonel Allen West, of course, his uh, tours both uh, there in Operation Desert Storm and Operation Iraqi Freedom. And then on top of that, serving in Afghanistan, uh, there's very few people who are on the national spotlight, who have uh, more expertise in this area than Colonel West. I think we have uh, uh, Colonel West back, and uh, uh, you were talking about this being the biggest blunder in in modern uh, military history. Glad to have you back with us. Yeah, it's good to be back with us. I just think that we have to come to understand that National security strategy can't be based upon campaigning and campaign promises. The enemy has a vote. You have to accept that reality. Unfortunately, that's not what happened in the past eight years. But hopefully uh, that's something that President Trump can do. And, and this is an incredible uh, leap for someone who's coming from the private sector as a businessman. And all of a sudden, he has the most important title of uh, commander-in-chief as well as leader of the free world. I mean, a lot of people are looking at him. Uh, so you got to make sure you get those right people that can provide you the right type of guidance and, uh, and, and recommendations. And you have to have the trust and confidence in them to give them the green light. So I hope that in rebuilding our military capability and capacity, we will see ourselves, our military, go on the offense and focus on defeating feeding these, uh, these sanctuaries that Islamic jihadists have all over the world. Hmm. What are your thoughts about the additional troop buildup here in the next uh, 30 seconds? We'll have to take a quick break. 
Yeah. Well, I think it's important to do that. As I said before we got cut out, we have to lead from the front, not lead from behind. Uh, and for whatever reason, we have seen abject weakness being the uh, forefront of our national security strategy, along with obfuscation, denial, and dismissal of the enemy. That can't be the guiding principles anymore. You're listening to an encore presentation of The Bill Bunkley Show. The Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer Council and Pray Tampa Bay invite you to the 25th Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer Brunch at the A la Carte Shrine Pavilion in Tampa on Thursday, May 4th. This year's keynote speaker is atheist-turned-Christian and best-selling author Lee Strobel. Make plans to come to this local National Day of Prayer event as we focus on mobilizing the Christian community to intercede for America and its leadership through prayer. Visit tampaprayerbrunch.com for more information and to reserve your seat today. Hi, this is Philip DeCourcy with Know the Truth. I feel so honored to be a brand new ministry partner with this station. We share a common goal, communicating God's word with clarity, courage, and conviction. Be listening to this radio station to hear biblical truths and daily encouragement for your walk with God on Know the Truth. Or check us out online at ktt.org. Listen to Know the Truth weekday mornings at 9.30 here on Faith Talk 570 and 910. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park, 910 WTWD Plant City, a service of Salem Media Group. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Hello, I'm Bill Bunkley, and welcome to this special presentation, The Story of Easter. Easter is one of the most important of holidays, most important of spiritual significance to men and women around the globe. And today we want to just take a few moments to look at the significance of not only Easter, but that week leading up to Easter. Jesus was preparing to go to Jerusalem, knowing what he was awaiting there makes the story that much more compelling. A week before Easter, he is making his way to the Holy City. He spends the weekend seven days before Easter, as we know it today, and that is the day of his resurrection. But we take you back a week before where he's actually staying with some friends. He's in Bethany. He's at the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. He spends Friday and Saturday there, the best that we can tell. And as he is preparing for his triumphal entry, That's going to be happening, of course, on Sunday. And we read in Matthew, the 21st chapter, that now when they drew near to Jerusalem on that Sunday morning and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Unloose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now, I want to tell you it's very interesting because people don't realize sometimes that there was actually two donkeys. One was the colt that had never been ridden upon, and then, of course, the colt's mother. 
And because of the relationship between the colt and the mother, many believe that's why they summoned both animals. So as Jesus would later ride upon the colt, the colt would be perfectly at ease because the colt would not have been recently separated from the mother of the colt. And so as we sort of look at that picture and begin to see what's unfolding, and of course, Jesus now is going to be moving. He's going to start coming into his own, and he's going to be climbing upon that colt and descending down the Mount of Olives. Now, what's important about this is that people are starting to gather. For you see, because of the oppression of the Roman authority, as well as those of the temple authority, the people of Jerusalem were looking for a savior. They were looking for a king. What they didn't understand was that um, King Jesus, as he was going to make his triumphal entry into the city, was not coming as a conquering king. He was coming as a spiritual king. Now, Don't get me wrong, one day he is going to come again, and he is going to be coming the second time as a conquering king, but this is not what his mission was on this day. So as Jesus begins to ride on this triumphant journey into the city, people are coming, and they are shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are throwing blankets on the road. They're throwing palm leaves on the road. And one of the reasons for this is there were literally hundreds and hundreds of people who were coming out and the crowd was gathering and and growing. Now remember that that would have been a very, very dusty road. And so many scholars believe the reason why they were throwing the, the blankets and the reason why they were throwing the palm branches on the road was to keep the dust down that as this big crowd was proceeding and and all of this worship of Jesus was going on, it was an an opportunity for them to to not only show this royal entrance. And by the way, Jesus was going to be entering from the Mount of Olives, which was on the western side, excuse me, on the eastern side of the city. Understand that this was in direct opposition to where when the Romans entered the city, Of course, the Romans would be coming in from their fortification at Caesarea by the sea over on the Mediterranean, which is on the west side of the city of Jerusalem. So the Romans, when they came with all of their pomp and circumstance, they came in from the opposite side, on the western side in the western gate of the city. So this also had great significance for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus arrives... Of course, he goes straight to the temple. And when he arrives at the temple, Matthew tells us, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing. Which of you, tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? Well, this was one of the many times that Jesus' parables really, really baffled 
the chief priests and the scribes. So they were reasoning among themselves, and while they were there, they said, If we say it's from heaven, Jesus will say to us, Well, then, did you not believe him? But if we say it's from men, well, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, and they said, the only safe answer, we don't know. Well, as Jesus was in the temple, he said, if you don't know, I don't know. So Jesus begins to call out. Jesus begins to lay the groundwork for the tremendous animosity that's going to be building up between the Jewish leaders of the temple and to Jesus himself. And in fact, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. The scripture tells us then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Because remember that he entered on Sunday. The triumphal procession led to the temple. He had this encounter, but then he departed from the temple. And so scripture tells us, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all of these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown completely down. And so he retreated on that day of the triumphal entry. He retreated back to the Mount of Olives. And Scripture tells us that while on the Mount of Olives in Matthew, now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in, earthquakes in various places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. And so as we place this in the timeline, this is later on Sunday, a week from when he would be resurrected from the dead as he's teaching on the Mount of Olives. And, of course, we also hear about the Great Tribulation. In Matthew, we also read, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of the house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And so as the day is rounding out, the disciples are getting some of the most important instructions 
about what will be happening happening in coming days, coming generations, coming centuries. Though they did not know the timeline, they were being briefed by the Lord himself of things to come. Now, at this time, they were plotting to kill Jesus. The chief priests, the scribes, and the Sadducees, they've, they've just about had enough of this this insurrectionist, this, this person that was going to be possibly challenging their authority. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and to kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And at one of the darkest days in the history of the church was the day when one of the twelve, his name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. And so from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. If you're just joining us, we're talking about the story of Easter. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to pick up the story at Passover as Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. For every selfish choice, Christ gave himself away. For every cruel word, said, Father, forgive them. For every crime committed, said, it is finished. We remember Jesus' suffering for our healing, his crucifixion for our sins and the empty tomb that promises eternal life. Celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Join Bill Bugley and Boaz Shalgi on a tour of Jordan, Israel, and the Holy Land. Boaz is the president of EDI Travel, the only tour company in Israel owned and operated by a historian and professional tour guide. Boaz is a seventh-generation Israeli of the tribe of Levi, former special forces in the IDF, and lives with his family in the mountains of Upper Galilee. EDI customizes every tour, and all packages are all-inclusive. They'll take you off the beaten path for activities no one else provides. You'll meet with Israeli soldiers, politicians, Visit the Knesset and visit people who live right on the border, experiencing Israeli hospitality with Israeli families. Only EDI provides tours that include so much culture and faith, bridging together the story of biblical Israel and Israel today. Travel with Bill Bunkley and Boaz on this very special VIP tour. Go to letstalkfaith.com. That's letstalkfaith.com. Click on Bill Bunkley's pilgrimage or call 727-460-1225. That's 727-460-1225. Imagine being able to view a map of believers all around the world praying for others and you. The new Pray With Me prayer app is built upon a 24-7 community of Christians who are seeking the healing power of prayer and encouragement of others. When you download the Pray With Me prayer app, you can connect your Facebook friends and mobile contacts to send and receive prayer requests. Set reminders to pray throughout the day. 
find helpful resources and see who's praying both locally and across the world. God promises to provide peace when we bring our requests to Him. Begin experiencing the transforming power of prayer today. Visit PrayWithMe.com to find out more and download the app. The new Pray With Me prayer app is connecting thousands of Christians around the world in experiencing the power of prayer. Visit PrayWithMe.com to discover how your faith can grow when we pray without ceasing. Receive prayer. Pray for others at PrayWithMe.com. Bring your appetite to Spectrum Field every Monday. Your $14 ticket includes all you can eat. That's right, you can chow down on all of your ballpark favorites, like hamburgers and hot dogs and many other concession favorites. And many Feeding Frenzy Mondays are themed with various restaurants offering samples of some of their favorite dishes. Just $14 gets you a ticket to the game and all you can eat. Visit Thresher'sBaseball.com. Thresher's Baseball, get hooked. Saturday afternoons at 5, join Dr. Tom Woodward in Discovering the Universe Next Door. He likes to point out that Christ claimed to be more than a man. He claimed to be the very God of the universe, the one who will judge us at the end of time, the one who calls himself the I Am. Before Abraham was, Jesus said in John 8:58, I Am. The Universe Next Door, Saturday afternoons at 5 on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome back to our special presentation, The Story of Easter. I'm Bill Bunkley. We're going to pick up the story of the story of Easter now when Jesus is going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. Of course, we believe this took place on Thursday evening, sometime between the 6 and the 9 o'clock hour. And it's an opportunity for us to begin to understand a little bit of what was Jesus thinking? What was the thought process as he was to go through this gathering of his disciples and later to retreat to the Mount of Olives? And of course, the Last Supper is something that's been depicted in many, many art renderings and in the hearts and minds of so many of of the people who follow Jesus. We pick up in Scripture, now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now, when the evening had come, Jesus sat down with the twelve. And while they were eating, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine at that moment the disciples were looking around at each other, knowing that one of their own, one of their band of brothers, was going to betray the master. Scripture tells us they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them, not trusting their own heart, began to ask, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Jesus answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. 
The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. That is just something very awesome to contemplate. Imagine being the one who would deceive Jesus. But the question that we all have today, how many times have each of us sinned and denied Jesus in our heart? Judas, who knew he was betraying him, but still asked the question, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said it. So can, so imagine that they continued on at this point in the celebration of the Passover. Jesus has now named his betrayer. Judas exits. He leaves. We'll pick up his story again in a moment. And now the Lord is about to institute the Last Supper. And this is something that uh, we still observe today. This is something that the church is is a very important part of what we do to remember him until he comes again. And so if you can imagine now, Jesus is looking over the 11 and not the 12. The scripture says that as they were eating, Jesus reached over and picked up a loaf of bread. He blessed the bread. He broke it, and he gave the bread to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks for the cup, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so as the hours begin to click on, as we're getting closer to the events that would be happening of one of the greatest injustices known to man during the next 12 hours, Jesus is instituting the Last Supper. Peter, Peter who we've grown to love, Peter who we can all relate to, Peter once again being, well, just Peter, Jesus talks about the fact that all of the disciples will soon be fleeing from him. But Peter challenges the Lord Jesus and says, not I, I'm not going to be one that's going to flee from you. In fact, the Lord, I'm with you through thick and thin. I'm going to be here with you. In fact, Peter tells him in Scripture, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. 
Peter, the brawny, great fisherman of Galilee, felt pretty sure of himself. But Jesus turned, and, and I can only imagine the gaze that Jesus had as he looked into Peter's eyes. And Jesus said to Peter, Assuredly, I say to you this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And of course, Peter denies that that will happen, but as the story unfolds, we will learn more about Peter's humanity. And as Jesus and as the 11 disciples sat around that very blessed dinner table, they sung a hymn. And as they closed out their Passover celebration, and we believe that was in the area of about uh, 9 o'clock in the evening, they then departed and headed out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus would eventually be going in to the Garden of Gethsemane. As nightfall is now approached, as this night of Passover is about to begin, remember that the plan is now unfolding. And the plan is to try Jesus. The plan is to get rid of Jesus. And the plan is to have all of this take place overnight under the cloak of darkness. And to do it in such a fashion that the people would not revolt in support of Jesus. Have you ever thought about the mind of Christ from the point of view of what did Jesus think when he was standing on the Mount of Olives on that triumphal entry? Knowing of the horrible week that lay ahead of him. Imagine the mind of Christ sitting there at the Last Supper, trying to give the final instructions to his followers, knowing full well what was before him. But that plan being veiled from his disciples. Imagine the hymn. Imagine the walk from what we celebrate as the upper room. Down and outside the old city gates of Jerusalem. Down into the Kidron Valley and then back up on the next ridge to the east, which is the Mount of Olives. I think about what Jesus must have been contemplating during that walk. Because as we'll talk about in the next segment, Jesus is going to be having maybe the most serious conversation in prayer 
with his Heavenly Father of his entire ministry. When we come back, we'll go to the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as the events of the betrayal begin to unfold. I'm Bill Bunkley. This is the story of Easter. With SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. The largest non-nuclear bomb ever dropped in combat by the U.S. military killed 36 ISIS fighters in eastern Afghanistan, according to officials there. Villagers in the remote mountainous area described being terrified by an ear-splitting blast. A judge has sentenced former NFL star Aaron Hernandez to an additional four to five years in prison over his conviction on charge of unlawful possession of a gun. He's already serving life for the death of a man who was dating his fiancée's sister. He was acquitted today in a Boston double killing that prosecutors say was fueled by his anger over a spilled drink. Pope Francis presiding over a Good Friday procession at the Colosseum in Rome. And uh, no trading on Wall Street today. The uh, financial markets closed for Good Friday. More details at srnnews.com. Find more strength between Sundays when you join the Faith Talk 570 and 910 Family Club. You'll gain first access to the latest Faith Talk news, contest, offers, and special events. And we're always listening for input from family members. Plus, exclusive opportunities include our birthday club. When you celebrate your special day, we'll celebrate too and send you a special gift. Join the Faith Talk 570 and 910 Family Club today. Click on the club sign-up link at the top of the page at letstalkfaith.com. My name is Leslie, and my daughter, Lucy, goes to Christian school. For years, Faith Talk 570 and 910 has been helping Bay Area parents provide their children with an affordable private Christian school education. You know, I went to Christian school growing up, and I had wanted Lucy to go there. As I've been going back to work and trying to ramp up, having the 50% off thanks to Faith Talk has been huge for us. That's right. At ChristianTuitions.com, you'll find a wide selection of private Christian schools in our area with half off the first year's tuition. It has been such a gift for her. She loves the people there, absolutely loves the teachers. They pray before each class. It's just been a blessing. Half off at ChristianTuitions.com may sound too good to be true, but it is true. Faith Talk is wonderful. If you all are considering a private Christian education and trying to really make it work, they can make it happen. Learn more and get half off your first year at ChristianTuitions.com. That's ChristianTuitions.com. The next time you could use a pick-me-up, head over to Godvine.com for uplifting and inspirational videos that you'll truly love. Join the millions of Christians from around the world who watch and share Godvine videos each day. They know that Godvine videos are specially chosen to bring joy and share the love of God and the wonder of His creations. For the very best Christian videos, visit us today at Godvine.com. I'm Trina Webster. And I'm Dan Webster, founders of Z Quiet. Let me be honest, I snored. Yeah, he did. Crazy loud. And I was forced to sleep on the couch most nights. Dan tried everything, including surgery, to solve his snoring problem. Nothing worked. So we turned to experts and created a solution that's a total game changer, a mouthpiece called Z Quiet. Not just any mouthpiece, one that gently opens the airway where the snoring happens. In fact, it's based on the same technology as treatments costing thousands of dollars. 
It allows natural jaw movement so you can talk, breathe normally, and best of all, sleep comfortably without making a sound. And what's really cool is that it couldn't be easier. Just pop it in before you go to sleep to kick snoring out of bed. So you can sleep quiet with Z-Quiet. Z-Quiet fits both men and women. Try it risk-free for 30 days for just $9.95. Go to GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. Go to GetZQuiet.com or text SNORE to 91011. Janae's Tropicals is your one-stop shop for fruit trees, exotic tropical plants and palms, citrus, and more. Join Janae every Saturday morning at 9.30 on WTBN as she shares more than 24 years of horticultural experience and hosts other green thumb experts to give you free gardening advice. Janae will teach you to live off the land and love it. Visit Janae online at tropicalfruit.com and join her every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. right here on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. And we're back with the story of Easter. I'm Bill Bunkley, and uh, we are talking about that very important week, the Holy Week. And we pick up the story now as Jesus has arrived on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is now entering into the Garden of Gethsemane. The scripture tells us that Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And our Lord was deeply distressed, deeply sorrowful. And he said to these three disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then Jesus went a little bit further into the garden. He fell on his face and began to pray. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came back to the disciples, and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit, Jesus said, is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Jesus departed and went further into the garden again to pray. O my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came out and he found them asleep again. For the scripture tells us their eyes were weary. So Jesus left them again and he went to pray alone a third time. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour now is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Look, my betrayer is at hand. Now we believe this was happening sometime between the 9 o'clock hour and 1030 on Thursday evening, after the Passover. And now we have 
the torches. Now we have the guards. The high priest is making his move. The one who would betray Jesus is leading the entourage. And while Jesus was still speaking, the scriptures tells us, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude of swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given him a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. And immediately Judas approaches and walks right up to Jesus, looks him in the eye and says, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kisses him. Jesus looks at him, I believe, straight in his eyes and says, Friend, why have you come? Now, Jesus knows the answer to that. Just like so many times when Jesus asks us in his spirit questions that he already has an answer, knowing that it is important for us to face and to answer those important questions. So they came and they laid hands on Jesus and they took him. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword. And he struck the servant of the high priest and he cut off his ear. Name was Malchus. Jesus turned around and said to him, put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and that he would not provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thusly? In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat with you daily. I sat with you teaching in the temple, and you never seized me. You never arrested me. But all of this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples abandoned him and took off running. Every last one of them, Jesus, alone in a dark garden on the Mount of Olives, lit up by the torches of the guards, of the soldiers, was now on his own. Now those that came to arrest him, They led him back into the old city of Jerusalem to Caiaphas, the high priest, where all the scribes and elders were assembled. And by the way, this was a legal gathering. This was the beginning of an illegal proceeding. They were not following Jewish law. This was a lynching. Peter actually followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard and then went in and sat with the servants to see what was going on. Now the priests and the elders and all the council, they were, they were bringing up their false testimony against Jesus because they wanted to put him to death. Many false witnesses came forward. 
many came in this bogus trial of our Lord and Savior. A lot of discourse went on between Jesus and the high priest. And all four of the Gospels speak to the dialogue that went on that evening. But the high priest at one point arose and said to Jesus, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? That's the false witnesses. But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us. Tell us if you are the Christ. Tell us if you are the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, and I can just picture Jesus looking intently into the eyes of the chief priest. It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. At that point, the high priest reached up to the top of his garments, and he ripped his garments, saying, He, Jesus, has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And the other priests gathered, began saying, He, Jesus, is deserving of death. Now, as this was going on, Peter was outside in the courtyard, and a young servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But Peter denied it. Peter says, I don't know what you're saying. Not me. And when he had gone to the gateway, yet another girl saw him. Two women confronted him and said to those who were there, she pointed at Peter and she said, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not even know this man. And yet, a little while later, those who stood by came up to Peter, recognized him and said, Surely you are one of them for your speech betrays you. Then Peter began to curse. That's right. Peter is cursing. Peter is swearing, saying, I don't know this man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I can only imagine... I can only imagine the pain in Peter's heart. Well, when we come back, we're going to be picking up the story as Jesus is now led away from the high priest and he's handed over to Pontius Pilate. Because they don't want to do the dirty work. They want Pontius Pilate to do the dirty work. We'll pick up with the story at that point in just a moment. Who's happy to be at the game today? You know who's not happy? Your buddy Pete, stuck at home doing the laundry. 
with his wife, who loves soap operas. Pete should have taken advantage of Sun Country Cleaner's wash, dry, and fold service. With 38 convenient locations in Tampa Bay and delivery, Pete could be here, dealing with overtime at the ballpark instead of dealing with an overflowing hamper. Sun Country Cleaners, let us do the laundry while you do life. Online at suncountrycleaners.com. Hey guys, with spring here, are you interested in trimming up and losing a few pounds? Or want to feel more energy through the day? Better yet, do you want to get paid to do something about it? If so, ProGene is sponsoring a national study in the benefits of increased testosterone levels and its effect in your energy, metabolism, and performance. Go to ProGene33.com to see if you qualify. It's an easy program you can do from home. The tests are painless and confidential, and everything is shipped discreetly to you. ProGene is a doctor-recommended natural formula with clinically proven testosterone. Testosterone precursors. Protein is available nationwide at GNC and other retailers, but this program is not available in stores. Program participants have already reported more energy, stamina, and faster recovery. So if you want to make a difference in your life and find out your levels for free, then go to protein33.com now to participate. That's the word pro, G E N E, 33.com. Protein33.com. Enroll today before the study is closed at protein33.com. Do you have a cracked or broken windshield and full coverage insurance? Do you want a new windshield at no charge and up to $100 cash back on the spot for your damaged windshield? Call Autoglass America today at 813-96-GLASS. They work for you, not your insurance company. 813-96-GLASS. 813-96-GLASS. We turn your broken glass into cold hard cash. Autoglass America. The Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer Council and Pray Tampa Bay invite you to the 25th Tampa Bay National Day of Prayer brunch at the A la Carte Shrine Pavilion in Tampa on Thursday, May 4th. This year's keynote speaker is atheist-turned-Christian and best-selling author Lee Strobel. Make plans to come to this local National Day of Prayer event as we focus on mobilizing the Christian community to intercede for America and its leadership through prayer. Visit tampaprayerbrunch.com for more information and to reserve your seat today. Christ Gospel Church of St. Petersburg, Florida invites you to tune in for The Crucified Message with Dr. Tony Young Jr. Sunday mornings at 7.30. The hope and prayer of the Crucified Message radio ministry is to remember the great price Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. To remind those who may be discouraged that they have hope in the power of the blood of Jesus and His Word. To learn more about Christ Gospel Church, visit ChristGospelStPete.org. That's ChristGospelStPete.org. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Bill Bunkley, and welcome back to this special presentation of the story of Easter. We're going to pick up the story as Jesus is now being turned over to Pontius Pilate. He is now leaving the Sanhedrin, and now he's going to be put before the Roman civil law. And in fact, he's going to have a trial an open trial where many are going to watch the proceedings. At this time, we also learn of the fact that Judas realizes what he has done to Jesus. And Judas hangs himself. Now, Matthew tells us that he hung himself. Luke has a different account in Acts where he says that Judas purchased a field with the 30 pieces of silver and that he, he fell. He had an accident. He fell headlong. And, well, he had a very horrific accident where he had 
all of his bowels were thrust out of his body. And yet there's still some other people who, the scholars, who contend that uh, in the process of hanging himself, he slipped and actually uh, impaled himself on a rock. But we don't really know. Some think he was murdered. But uh, other than what we hear, whether what we read in Matthew and Luke, that's what we know. But nonetheless, the conscience of Judas was too much for him to bear. We pick up the story now as Jesus is going before Pontius Pilate. Now, Jesus was born in the Galilee. Pontius Pilate feared taking action since Jesus was born in an area that was really out of his immediate jurisdiction. Now, Herod Antipas was there as well, and so he begins to try and figure out a way that maybe he could pardon Jesus in all of this process. But as Jesus is before him, with all of the pomp and circumstance, very early in the morning, I might add, it is still a mockery. Because what's happening is, is that while he's before Pontius Pilate, He finds that the Roman procreator procurator, is trying to cut a deal. So he brings out a murderer, Barabbas, and he allows the crowd to make a decision. A decision where he says, in recognition of the Passover, he will follow the Roman tradition and he will release a Jewish prisoner. So he asked the crowd, who do I release? Do I release Jesus or do I release Barabbas? Well, officials of the Sanhedrin were there, and I believe that they were moving amongst the crowd at this point to make sure the crowd shouted for Barabbas to be released. A lot of dialogue goes on between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. And at this point, Pontius Pilate challenges Jesus. Tells him that he has the power to pardon him or to crucify him. Of which Jesus answers back to Pilate and says, you have no power unless that power was bestowed up to you by my Father in heaven. And so the crowd says, let him be crucified, crucified, crucified. And so then Jesus is then set to go to Golgotha. And as you know, the Roman soldiers, they took Jesus in the praetorium. And they gathered a whole garrison around him, and they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and they mocked Jesus, saying, Hail, Jesus, King of the Jews. And they they spit on our Savior. They took a reed, and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own clothes on him. And then, as he was beaten and battered, 
a crown of thorns thrust into his skull. They led him away to be crucified. And they began the journey to Golgotha. And as Jesus was stumbling, a man came out, a man of Cyrene. His name was Simon. And uh, they forced Simon to carry his cross. Jesus has led to Golgotha. The Roman guards hammered the nails into his wrists and into his legs, and he is thrust upon that crossbar, and he is crucified. They put a sign over his head. This is Jesus, who is king of the Jews. Along with two robbers, he was crucified, one on the right, one on the left. Many people were blaspheming Jesus while he was upon the cross. They were wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. You who are the Son of God, come down from the cross. The chief priests were there. They were mocking him, along with the scribes and the elders. They were yelling at him, saying, Hey, he saved himself. They yelled at him, I should say, He cannot save himself. If he were the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let God deliver him now, if he will even have him, for he said, I am the son of God. So from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. Jesus gave up his spirit. Jesus said it was finished. Jesus instructed John, who was there, and his mother Mary and the other Mary, instructed John to take care of his new mother, which was Jesus' mother, of which we have accounts that John was very faithful to the words of the Savior. So Jesus is crucified. When Jesus is crucified, there's a great earthquake. In the temple, the veil was ripped in two. Darkness came over the land. Everyone knew now that this was just no ordinary man. And in the midst of that turmoil, as Jesus had expired, Joseph of Arimathea comes upon the scene, and he offers Jesus offers his burial place for for Jesus to be entombed. And Jesus is prepared. He's wrapped in the burial clothes. It must be done very quickly because all this must happen before sundown. And so Jesus is placed in the tomb. And, of course, we know the glorious story that on the third day, When the women came to the tomb, Jesus was not there. Even with an armed guard to make sure that no one could come and steal the body and thus perpetuate a big hoax of a story, Jesus 
was resurrected. And of course, on that fateful morning of the empty tomb, and of course, Jesus not only showed himself to the disciples there, but later in Galilee. It is the hope of the Easter story that we have today. Now, I want to share with you that the Easter story and all of its details are richly documented in the Gospels. And in the brief one hour that we had to share with you today the story of Easter, we certainly could not bring you all of the compelling dialogue and the stories, the words of Jesus, because time would prohibit that. But this is the time of the Holy Week. This is the time where I very much encourage you to seek out maybe the Gospel of Matthew. So much of the story of the last week of Jesus is laid out in that Gospel. But yet there's also compelling accounts in Mark and Luke and John. And to get the entire story of Easter, you need to check out all four Gospels. But as we close, I want to ask you, do you know this King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you ever considered the claims of Christ if you do not know him? Jesus came to save you. Jesus came to love you. I can't think of a, a more appropriate time if you don't know Jesus for you to spend this time during this holy week to get better acquainted with the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would urge you in a very simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Jesus to make you whole. To ask Jesus to redeem your life. Because I want to tell you that is the most important decision you will ever make. And of course, you will be spending eternity somewhere. That's right. You will live forever. And we believe you will either live in eternity in either heaven or in hell. And dear brother, dear sister, we want you to join us in this life dedicated to Christ and join us for all eternity in heaven. For Jesus tells us the moment that we pass away on this earth, we are absent with the body, present with the Lord. I hope you make that decision today. Thank you so much for being with us today in this very brief story, the story of Easter.